everyone, and welcome to the Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of thecinematropolis.com. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we have a very special interview planned for you. We are sitting down with the writer and director of Strike Dear Mistress and Cure His Heart, Mickey Reese, and the film's star, Mary Buss. I understand that life gets complicated, and I know you had your reasons. I haven't been much of a mother to you, but that's why I'm here. She's never been able to fully love anyone since the passing of her father. I see it in your eyes when you look at him. You'll arrive at the same destination as me. You just don't know it yet. Have you ever considered letting God into your heart? I've considered everything at one point or another, Father. I've lived a long life. I'm reminded of a story. Mother, do you remember when we got lost in the forest near our home? Newlyweds David and Madeline Middleston have just purchased a historic hotel near the town where Madeline's estranged mother, Diane, resides. When Diane comes to visit, she brings with her an uninvited guest. Mickey, Mary, welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having us. Absolute pleasure. I want to jump in here because uh, I really enjoyed our talk we did last year on Alien and the great work on that. And congrats on winning uh, Best Oklahoma Feature uh, 2017. Now you're on to your next project, which is, again, Strike Dear Mistress and Cure His Heart. And this one, like Alien, is something of a genre bender. So if you're just pitching the movie to someone, someone who's a very casual filmgoer, how would you describe the film? Well, I don't know how I would describe Describe it to you know a regular person, but for cinephiles like us, I think it's just a horror movie. Um, because while I know that there's obviously you know some some humor elements and some definitely you know drama, but I think at the entirely it, it's a horror film. If you if you can consider Rosemary's Baby a horror film or The Shining a horror film, and they are they're classic horror films. I think that's exactly like you know, the same vein as this. No, I'm definitely not comparing to this, this movie to those movies. I'm just saying if those are considered horror movies, then this is a horror movie. But nowadays, uh, because there are so many different uh, types of, uh, or subgenres, like, like, for instance, would you consider Black Swan a horror movie today? You know, that's an interesting question. I but, mean, but if yes. it came out whenever, whenever The Shining and Rosemary's Baby, I mean, I realize, I mean, like back in right you know, before the heyday, the heyday, so. yes. <laughs> yeah, would, then would it be a, a horror movie? No, no, I, I don't know. I, I don't, don't think so. I don't is, think so. Is Rosemary's Baby a horror movie? Oh, you know, that's a good question. I mean, Rosemary's Baby is definitely a horror movie, and I guess you know, Black Swan does feel like homaging that style quite a bit. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Cool. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, but back before they defined the the psychological thriller right. genre or psychological horror movie had quite developed. Yeah, yeah, I, I would classify it as a horror movie. I would call mm-hmm. it a surrealist uh, dramedy. <laughs> Got a lot of David Lynchian vibes off this one too, and maybe some Ingmar Bergman in there for sure. Did either one of those directors influence your approach to the film? We had that conversation a lot uh, with Mickey Reese's Alien um, as far as if David Lynch was a big influence. I guess growing up, he was a huge influence. Uh, with Strike, uh, the new Twin Peaks, it came out. And I would definitely binge watched all of those. So there probably was some David Lynch in there for sure. But he also did some new things in that that he hadn't done before. So 
Yeah, I mean, he was he was definitely pretty experimental. I think for sure, definitely the most experimental he's been in a good at least solid decade and a half. Yeah, but it was still David Lynch. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't think this film is really that experimental because it's a horror film and kind of anything goes. So Mary, how about you? How would you describe this film? You kind of coming at it from a different perspective uh, as an actor. Whenever you got the script, what was your initial thought? I'm a huge fan of David Lynch. Blue Velvet is one of my favorite movies of all time. Blue Velvet's a good one. Yeah, that has made a major imprint on my uh, what I enjoy about film. Did you see Lynch when you read the script? Is that something that came to mind? Yeah, it came to mind when I saw Mickey's earlier work, though. And um, I knew from what I had seen before that he works in kind of the subconscious and images and things that don't necessarily have a linear um, narrative structure, but come from mysterious places and he wrote me a great role so i just thought holy crap i hope i can do this and not you know wreck it what were the influences so david lynch you like lynch what were some of those inspirations uh well you know it's a remake of ingmar bergman's autumn sonata essentially so i mean i would say that's the core influence in it all was that your goal when you started working on it you said oh, yeah. i want i, I want to remake I this said movie we're going to remake a bergman movie and i picked the easiest one and so <laughs> then i just wrote it as you know my movie i i can't say that there are any influences that seeped out of there like for for each individual scene or you know sometimes i'll try to do something like specifically from a uh, from a movie i like or want you know really want to do something like this here i never really did that because we didn't have time. There was no time to do anything like that. We had uh, that hotel for like a good seven days, and we had to shoot that whole movie in seven days. I wrote the script based on the Ingmar Bergman script, but I knew it wouldn't be a remake of Autumn Sonata because I knew if I got once I got a hold of it and started writing it, it would you know kind of morph into its own thing. So stylistically, I don't think there was any, I think everything would have been like, you know, subconscious, just whatever happened in the moment Mm -hmm. and then editing choices. Like, I don't, I don't know that there was any one influence. I mean, there's, there's obviously like some Ken Russell stuff in there and Mm -hmm. some David Lynch and Bergman and all of that, but I really can't pinpoint anything that was. It wasn't, it wasn't really intentional. Um, per se, outside of like the inspiration for from Bergman's right, film. right, okay. yeah, I didn't have time to yeah. be <laughs> intentional on anything. You, you're, you're kind of just kind of going with the flow. You use that as the jumping off point, and then you go straight into making your own movie. Yeah. Okay, that's very that's very interesting because you know a lot of times people will start citing all these influences, but I like that because that's a lot more organic and it gives you. I think that the thing I like about your your movies is that your personality shines through pretty strongly, even though you, even when I see influences from other directors, it comes through very clearly. So, what made you decide this was going to be your next major project after Alien? I think the movie that I made, Mickey Reese's Alien, I don't think it was received the way I wanted it to be because it was an Elvis movie. I think Elvis kind of like mucked up anything that I wanted to say as a, as a writer or a director. You know, I think the movie itself, if you take Elvis out of it, is not so much different than a Bergman movie with what the characters are wrestling with. I think even, even like some of the comedy, not saying it, did, it, it wasn't meant to be funny, obviously, once you get there, you know, it's, and you got Jacob dressed like Elvis, like what choice do we have? It's going to be funny. 
I think I wanted to do something uh, a little more serious if I was going to devote that much to it and have a crew involved in everything. Because before all this, all my movies were like mumblecore, very like, you know, basically I was the crew making yeah. it also once we did Mickey Reese's Alien, that was the first one I worked with with the actual crew. So I was like, well, if I'm going to do that again, then I want to make like something that's more cinematic. And I guess that's not to say, I mean, obviously Alien's super cinematic, but I mean, uh, cinematic in the way, like something I would want to see or something I would deem as an important film. So basically I got really cocky and said like, I'll just remake a Bergman movie. That's <laughs> that'll, that'll show them. You're pulling your resources to kind of give it another go. I'll be in a different story. Yeah. So, and this uh, this film also features uh, an all female cast. Was that part of you, you said this is an important story? And I think you know, uh, current climate uh, is is really putting re- emphasis on strong female characters. Was that something that you thought about when you're writing the script? Or mm, no, I was. You know, Autumn Sonata is a mother and a daughter. So, <laughs> <laughs> and the other daughter. So you know, I think I didn't really put much into that. I don't think. Okay, very cool. I definitely spiced up Jacob's character more than the uh, husband in Adam Sonata. Yeah, well, okay, so uh, speaking of Jacob, because I want to get into casting here, uh, <laughs> but speaking of him, what was his inspiration? Because I love he the, his, his performance, <laughs> the way he would end his sentences so abruptly. Jacob hadn't really found his character yet. I mean, even when we shot the first scene, it wasn't quite there. And the still photographer on our set, Stefan, has a very thick accent. And I think that inspired Jacob a lot to start talking like that. And really, after that first scene when we were both kind of like, hmm, like this is this is going to work, but you need to, I mean, we can still work with this scene, but you need to like figure something out like quick. And, and you uh, have to make a choice quick yeah, on a yeah, yeah. seven-day yeah. uh, renegade movie. Exactly. You know, yeah. as and an it, actor. it ended up being like a kind of almost like a Christoph Waltz kind of deal. Yeah. Which I don't think that was his you know inspiration at all. I think it was literally Stefan, our still photographer. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> and he would just kind of emphasize uh, his words. Right. What he was bringing hadn't quite clicked, so he just drew inspiration from what he could find right, right there. But uh, I want to bring it back to casting. You said with this one, there was a little more of a casting process. Than yeah, your previous so we films. never, we've never done that. We never had an audition. Um, it's always just you know, well, you know, friends, and it's a, it's a small community. You know everybody. You know, you know, you know who's gonna fit what kind of deal, or you, or you hang out with them beforehand, and you say, I want to write something for you. That's kind of how Mary and I worked out. We were just hanging out as friends, and then it was like, you know, well, I'm gonna write something for you. And she didn't believe me until I came to her with the script. And then, uh, so Audrey, who plays Mary's daughter, I had worked with like three or four movies before, but we're talking like 2012 or something. Mm. You know, she was in my little movies beforehand. And um, she was primarily like theater. Now, normally I wouldn't do that. Because I hate the way theater actors act on, <laughs> on film usually, but for this, he's it, still learning about theater actors. It's true, I think. But it's it's well, a, it's, 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 a, it's a very different it's medium, totally different, you know, yes, and sure. uh, definitely some adaptation going from one to the other. Well, I like that they're easily directable, but um, I'm, I'm I'm getting there. I'm learning, but uh, the um, but this worked. This needed like some theater, and also Mary is. Uh, you know, so awesome that I didn't want to pair her with 
I would needed I needed someone that was like, uh, you know, theater, and like very uh, ingrained in the theater to mm-hmm. be able to act alongside. To be able her. to match Mary's caliber, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and and one thing I, I like about what you're talking about there with, with the theater actors. I mean, this film really does feel a lot more like a like a stage play. Although there's there's certainly a number of things you can only do on on film. A lot of sequences you shot, definitely uh, you know you keep those intimate close up in those intimate moments. But it reminds me of something like um, masterpiece theater. Yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, Audrey wasn't. Uh, she didn't audition. You know, I, I just knew her and I flew her down. So the one part that I was unsure of that I actually didn't audition for. So it's the first time I'd ever like, you know, been in an audition room and like auditioned these girls was the part of Bailey. I imagine it's a, a challenging character to cast because uh, you have someone who doesn't really talk. Uh, it's all facial expressions. And uh, yeah, no, that's uh, that's really interesting. How, so what, what was it about her that you knew this is the per- this is this is the actress we want? Well, uh, so I did. I think we only had about five or six. I've handpicked like five or six uh, local girls from the, you know, from the community, and we had them all come in, and they all did it. They all did the audition. Um, everybody was great. Wasn't quite perfect. I just didn't know. I didn't really know what I wanted. I needed to see it, mm-hmm. and so uh, Tennille, our wardrobe mistress. She brought an assistant with her, and it was this young girl named Eileen Chase. And <laughs> this is like, you know, the, the, the Hollywood legend stories. I said, why don't you go audition? You have an interesting face. And she did it, and then I put all five or all six of them on video before I decided and then um, looked at them and then... I got a second opinion from Joe. I think I sent you the video too. Yeah. And I was like, right? Eileen, right? And everybody's like, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, no, for sure. Eileen. This is the one. Yeah. <laughs> so I saw a lot of different, you know, people play it. Some some it seemed it was too it was gonna be too serious. And I needed someone that was almost like you know, look who's hungry. Like, mm. oh, it's good old Bailey back again. You know what I mean? That's that kind of creates a, a twisted, a, a comedic mm-hmm. um, value to her character, and she just had the face for it. Yeah, great face, great, great kid. Yep. Uh, the the vomiting scene was quite funny, by the way. Well, it was like weirdly funny and uncomfortable at the same time. You're laughing because of your uncomfortable sort well, of thing. Yeah, I I hope that everything in the movie is, exactly. is like, are we? Should we be laughing? Yeah, that was the vibe I got. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, uh, Mary, I want to talk t- with you a little bit more about how you brought this character to life. I know there was a handful of very sensual dream sequences that really stood out to me in the movie. Uh, could you maybe talk a little bit about your approach and uh, the dream sequences between you and the the daughter, your daughters? Uh, I mean, there was a lot of, I was like, wow, the intimate close-ups, a lot of really cool editing tricks, and I'm wondering, like, what, firstly, like, what was the your your process as a as an actor actress to prepare for those shots? And secondly, I'm I'm interested to you and Mickey talk a little bit about like how do you prep for that day, like from a filmmaking standpoint. Well, uh, my process starts always with the text, um, which is where I get all my information, um, and. Uh, 
for example, with those, what you call sensual dream sequences, as an actor, you just have to make a specific choice. You can't really play dream. You can't really play, you know, something esoteric. You have to play something very um, direct and very action-oriented. And luckily, by that time um, that we got to the green screen doing that, we were a little more comfortable with each other. And so I just trusted Mickey to tell me what to do, and I did it, basically. There's a lot of that going on. I'm the kind of actor that does not mind getting the occasional line reading directed from the director. It doesn't interfere with my character work. I'm not a method actor, so to speak. I don't need to be in character on set. I am there to fully collaborate in the process to tell the story. And in the case of Mickey Reese's stories, there's he's got such a, a um, knack for um, the language of cinema that I trust uh, his vision and I do what he tells me to do and know it's going to work. And I try to commit, you know, 100%, which hopefully you do as an actor. Those sequences were generally very expressive. And intense, yeah. You know, there, all of it was way too much to handle. We we were understaffed. We did not have enough time. Uh, we did not give ourselves enough time. It was hot. There was an was, eclipse. He made me cut my hair off and dye it black. Yeah, um, it was, uh, we, you know, we didn't have fun at all. Yeah, no yeah. fun was had no by fun anyone. Was had. Um, <laughs> Prepping you for the scenes of very intense shots. No fun. <laughs> no, it was not. And especially that that final piano scene. Oh, my God. I didn't know if we were even going to make it through it. But um, I remember one time. Do you remember the night? It was like uh, the Sunday night before we got started on the Monday morning. Uh, and I and I we went down there and it was just me and you. And I was just like, you have to carry this whole thing. Because a lot of these people aren't going to understand what the hell's going on. You're going to have to, like, you know make a choice and, and be there with it the whole time because you're you're going to carry me. Right. And my main question at that point was <clears throat> even having a stylized script, I wasn't sure whether we were playing for truth or playing for style. And Mickey said, I don't know, kind of in between. And I think that's sort of what happened. There are moments that are very truthful and there are moments that are very stylized and heightened. The text is clearly heightened. Um, but then there's some moments where you're like, whoa, those are maybe real people, and maybe that's just me. Yeah, I remember there was, like, one line that we kept talking about, and uh, I was like, I couldn't, like, I couldn't come up with what, like, I, I was just too, like, flustered to, like, figure out what to tell you, because I, I was, like, dealing with Joe or something, and we were dealing with, like, you know, uh, s some other actor and some other stuff going on, and then I was like, no, no, that line needs to be, like, uh, say, um, uh, and then you were like, Bad shit crazy? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just, be, just be bad shit crazy. That was like, <laughs> and I think it was that line. It was the line where you say, um, I wasn't aware you were a religious man. And like tapped on your tooth or something. Uh. <laughs> man, that's fun stuff. Now, I, I'm just curious too, like uh, how many hours, like when you, all those scenes that were shot on the, on the green screen, yeah, how many hours did that take to get all of those shots in? Because I would say there's well, at least two, three sequences like that in the film. <sighs> no, no, that was just a day. Yeah, like a few a, hours. Yeah, a few hours. Okay. Get that stuff done real quick. Mary, maybe you could talk with me a little bit about your character, Diane, and some of the unique challenges that she presented to you as an actress. Diane Herbert is a, a complicated woman. 
She has a very complicated relationship with her daughter, which is, you know, a very common common thing. And in Bergman films, a very common theme. The sins of the mother laid on the on the daughter. And for me, I don't know. I mean, on the surface, you could say she might be dark or scary or uh, insane. But as I watch the film, I've seen it a few times now, I kind of feel sorry for her because she's, you know, clearly got some narcissistic tendencies. She's very selfish. She, but she has a glimmer of hope that maybe some sort of traditional uh, relationship with her family, you know, you, you think maybe for a minute it might work out. Not that it doesn't, no spoilers, but uh, she's a complicated woman. She's not very nice. And those are sometimes the most fun characters to play. The ones that have more than two dimensions. Right. So you had a lot of fun. Yeah. I I don't know if fun would be the word I would use, but it was an exciting challenge. It's been been like a year now. You're probably still a little upset about the hair. Yes. Um, (laughs) Note to young actresses. Uh, unless you really trust the director, wear a wig. But uh, no. Was that your actual hair, hair in the film? Yeah, I cut about six inches off and dyed it black and cut bangs for the first time since the second grade. Wow. Yeah. So Dedication. <clears throat> well, it's more of a trust in this person over here. And his vision. A wig would have been... Uh, right, know, exactly. It would have been weird. And also, it would look like a wig. It's fun to make that kind of transformation, actually. As an actor, it's an mm-hmm. you know it's a really fun challenge. Because like the, the re- as your reality, it's yeah. hard and it's scary. And I remember the first night after they cut my hair, we went down and took some pictures, and I was horrified and um, and felt very naked and exposed, and all of that I believe informed the character and the work maybe. Most definitely. So that kind of leads me to my uh, next question, which is how did you define the look? Is that something? Nikki, you're using your vision. Did you go and sit down and say, hey, here's what I need your hair to look like? Or was this something Mary, uh, that uh, that you worked on? So that was um, our wardrobe. We call her the, the wardrobe mistress to Neil McAllister, and she did an amazing job with that stuff. She would just present me a, a bunch of ideas of, of and like in magazines and looking at characters and stuff. And then I think the one that we finally we're like yeah on was like angelina or i'm sorry angelica houston in uh, is it the witches mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. like some like that that kind of yes look. yeah it's a, that's a creepy nice creepy inspiration there but like creepy but like vaguely seductive still yeah yeah, yeah. so like also the you know i knew that i wanted him to have you know black hair and be kind of and kind of goth um but you know because you know it's still the follow-up to the elvis movie and they're kind of goth, you know, like Priscilla looks like out of a Tim Burton movie. So, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> I'm shot keep, black and white. Yeah. Well, I also wanted to keep going with, you know, with that kind of theme, um, you know, just a bunch of goths, put a bunch of goths in a room and make them talk at a dinner table. You guys primarily film this movie in Guthrie. So how did you identify and settle on? It sounds like one location or two locations. How'd you settle on there's, those? There's a few locations you know, scattered throughout. But yeah, I mean, that seven day hike that we did, that was all in that hotel in Guthrie. Um, that was a matter of, 
you know, being presented with that hotel in Guthrie. So it wasn't like a matter of like, okay, I wrote the script and it has to be in a hotel. Now we got to get a hotel because then the script would still be sitting on my phone somewhere. But we are we had the hotel that was that was already set. Hey, we got this hotel. Do you guys want to shoot in it? Yes, let me write a movie around that. So you actually so the, the having the hotel was was kind of first first okay so that's what led to you picking to do this movie yeah okay was that before you wrote the script yeah hmm. yeah I wouldn't write a script in a hotel that we couldn't do I'm not trying hmm. to write like spend time writing a script on something that we won't even be able to get made the hotel becomes a character I think in yeah. the piece for sure uh, but we did not shoot any exterior exteriors at all of the hotel it's all once you get in there you're in. Was that part of like the agreement you had with the hotel no, or no? I just didn't like the look of it on the outside. Yeah. And of course you're an Oklahoma filmmaker, but I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about some of the, the benefits of filming in, in three. Was it a pretty good experience? Well, I don't know any different. Never shot a movie any, anywhere else. The film community here is very young and everyone's very welcoming and everybody's very excited to work and to get going. So it's easy to find um, good people to work with. Um, <clears throat> but as far as any kind of, uh, benefits or anything, I, if, if that's all just been from me, like living here and knowing people, we haven't, uh, you know, got to the point of using the rebate or anything yet. Right. If, if you know, so like any kind of benefits that Oklahoma has to offer in that vein, I wouldn't know. Mary, did you have any, uh, any experiences from the set? Anything that struck you about the set at all, or would it feel like another day in the at work? Was oh, it? Gosh, it, not at all. It was a very uh, unique location. Clearly uh, haunted in a lot of ways. With us, it was just a very strange experience because we all stayed um, there while we were shooting, and. Mickey put us in different rooms and he chose a room for me that was interior with no windows. And I think he was doing a little Stanley Kubrick on me there. <laughs> and uh, Torment. Total torment. So I would uh, go to the room and watch The Godfather 2 while everyone else was shooting. And like I said, the hotel became a character and the environment was, you know informed i think all of us it was just a it's a strange old hotel um and that was kind of part of the fun of it as well you know when uh the first the first day that you came out it was a it was like evening the first like shot that we got of you we had shot the whole day with jacob and audrey and then then it was time for you to do the big piano scene with that whole room that we had full of Shriners. And um, she came out of wardrobe. It was the first time we had seen her, like what she was going to look mm. like and everything. Like, you know, like first time she was ready for camera. And I mean, it was like a, just a dominating presence, like in the room, like her just being there. It was just like, oh, everybody needs to stay away from that lady. Like, it was amazing looking. It was just a complete transformation. It was awesome. You kind of create that same feeling that you create in the film, right? That, wow, this is a person who doesn't quite belong here, but you can't seductive and, like, just has that presence around it. You're just watching, and you're, oh, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. The film didn't even do it justice for what, you know, just our first, like, glimpse of, of Mary in costume and everything. It was intense. 
So, uh, Mickey, we're going to wrap down the conversation in a second, but uh, I have to ask, how do you go about picking your cameos? It seems like you make a cameo in just about every one of your films. And is this something you write yourself in initially? Is this something you do on the, the back end that you're like, ah, oh, crap, well, we need a guy to fill the spot? How, how does that work? As much as when we talk privately, I like to say, like, well, I'm an actor too, you guys. Um, yeah, I like acting. Uh, I don't ever intend to be in the movies. It's always a matter of convenience you know just like i'll or I'll, I'll pick a wild card that like i'd really like to have this guy in the movie but i seriously doubt he's going to show up to do it so if he doesn't i'll play his part and then i think uh and then with the elvis movie it was like um a matter of like well you know let's try to keep the crew as small as possible so i'll play this part kind of deal and yeah the uh so with strike it was literally like the day before that it was like okay dustin's not showing up so mickey dyed his hair black in about 20 minutes after that yeah and i and i put like a eyeliner on my mustache and then we shaved a like bald on top too remember yes so like do receding you hairline. do you enjoy that do you enjoy acting no i had to though but do you enjoy it? It Is sounds it like you, it you? sounds like you, it sounds like you're like you're like I I don't want to I'm not sure I want to act, but I'm gonna I'm gonna really set it up so that I'm it's very likely that I'm almost certainly gonna play this part. Uh, yeah 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 basically yeah yeah I don't I don't want to act. It's like, but, it's but like, if I'm it's gonna like, do it, damn it, I'm gonna do it. Like uh, that guy's not showing up. I'm gonna go ahead and dye my hair right now. Just that was pretty much how it went exactly. And I started uh, practicing the lines and stuff, and Joe was directing me. And it's hilarious. His character is hilarious. It's super funny. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We're gonna go ahead and close out, but I have to ask, you've got a lot of really exciting dates coming up to show this film. Can you tell our listeners about when they can watch the film? Oh right, yeah. Okay, so the movie will premiere uh at Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas. Ah, congratulations on that, by the way. Yeah, thank you. And uh Alamo Draft House. That's what I'm most excited about Alamo. You have to see your film on Alamo Drafthouse. I know South Lamar. That's where they played at, right? Yes. Oh boy, I know. It's a great theater. Jacob uh, Burns got to do it last year, and I was so jealous. Uh, we're premiering there, no big deal. Then we're doing uh, Tulsa, Tulsa American Film Festival oh, at. Oh, sorry. What was the Fantastic Fest? Do you have any specific dates for what that? Right now, we we know that it's the twentieth through the twenty seventh. They haven't released uh, times yet. Excellent. So um, same with Tulsa. This was just like a few days ago on the Tulsa thing. So Tulsa American Film Festival at Circle Cinema will play at some point between the 10th and the 14th. Um, but we do have a, a date in OKC at Rodeo Cinema, the new uh, revival theater over there on uh, by Cattleman's over there on yeah. the stockyards. Yeah. And that is October 18th on a Thursday evening. October 18th on a Thursday evening, 7 p.m., 7.30? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> one of those cool. yeah. so just go ahead and clear your schedule out listeners make sure to make a night out of it and uh, you'll be in a great part of town and brand new theater here in Oklahoma City watching a really awesome film I can't wait to check it out on the big screen I, I got a little sneak peek but I want to it's not it's never the same it's as not seeing the same on a laptop nope yeah. nope never is <laughs> well is there anything either else you guys would like to add about strike to your mistress and cure his heart today Mary come on what do you have to say just you've been trying to say it the whole time just what is it? Um, I think that, uh, like you said, Caleb, while you weren't always sure how you were supposed to respond, that I feel like it's a stirring movie that puts you in kind of uh, in an uncomfortable place that's filled with humor. I'm really excited for people to see this film and see um, Mickey Reese's filmmaking. 
go to a, a whole new level. And I'm very excited to see what he has in store for us in the future because his star is on the rise. Awesome. I concur with that. Mickey, anything else you'd like to add? Well, I think the big selling point of this movie is Mary Bus, of course. The Mary Bus performance. The Mary Bus that yeah, we're talking the, to the right Mary now. Bus. Exactly. Yes. I think uh, that's the... That's the real icing on the cake there for this movie. Absolutely. It's a, it is, an, uh, I believe, I mean, you have a lot of really powerful stylings, but this is definitely a performance-driven It is, film. and she uh, she eats up every every second she's on the screen. A plus. Excellent. Well, uh, we're going to close out. Anywhere else listeners can keep up with uh, you guys, your work, the film on social media? Yeah, so we have a Facebook page, Strike Dear Mr. Sincura's Heart. It's pro- It's got to be the only Strike Dear Mr. Sincura's Heart on Facebook. It's a pretty distinct name. Yeah. So, very cool. And I'd also recommend listeners out there, if you uh, want to keep up with it, like their Facebook page. Make sure you go and like the Fantastic Film Festival and the Tulsa Film Festival to keep your eyes peeled at when you can have a chance to see the movie. And of course, you can always find us talking about films like Strike to Your Mistress every day over at thecinematropolis.com. So make sure to hit us up on our website or on our social media pages on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash thecinematropolis or on Twitter and Instagram at thecinematrop. And lastly, if you enjoyed today's talk with Mickey and Mary, make sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts and give the Cinematic Schematic a rating and a review to let us know how we th- you thought we did and uh, also uh, helping us get discovered the more ratings and reviews you leave on apple Podcasts, the more likely we are to get discovered so it'd be a big help if you enjoyed today's show if you could head on over to do that all right mickey reese mary bus thank you so much for joining the cinematic schematic today thank you thank you so much